morning. So this morning I'm going to start off with a joke. Wake us up maybe, I don't know. It was a hard morning to get up. I'll tell you what, that changes time. So this is about, um, about a man named Vinny and a man named Rocco. One day, a priest died. He finds himself uh, standing in line waiting at the pearly gates. He's all dressed up in his finest vestments, nice gold vestments. And just ahead of him is a guy that's dressed in a pair of sunglasses, a dirty t-shirt, pair, pair of jeans, and a leather jacket. And then St. Peter asks that man, who's in front of uh, this priest, he asks him, well, who are you so that I may know whether or not to admit you into the kingdom of heaven? And the guy says, my name is Vinny. I'm a taxi driver from New York. And so St. Peter checks his list, and he smiles, and he says, well, welcome, Vinny. Here's a silken robe and a golden staff. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so the taxi driver walks through the pearly gates and enters into the kingdom with that robe uh, made of silk and that staff made of gold. So here comes the priest. He's next. Without even being asked, he proudly proclaims, my name is Father Rocco. I've been the rector at Holy Cross Church for the last 44 years. And so St. Peter checks his list. He smiles. He says, well, welcome, Rocco. Here's a cotton robe, and here's a wooden staff. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, just a minute, says Father Rocco. That man, Vinny, over there, he was a taxi driver. You gave him a silken robe and a, and a golden staff. What's with the cotton and the wood for me? How can that be? And so St. Peter says, well, up here we go by results. He said, you were up there, down there preaching, and while you were preaching, people were sleeping. But while Vinny was driving, people were praying. <laughs> now, we've all, heard, we've all heard jokes about how people show up at the pearly gates trying to get into heaven. And, and while many of those jokes, they make us smile, behind most of them, is the false idea that you have to do something to get into heaven. And no matter how many times we're reminded of it, so many people just find it unbelievable to hear that you can't do anything to earn your entrance into heaven. That's because the way in is by acceptance of God's grace through our faith in his one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace is so amazing. It really does go beyond our human ability to fully comprehend. And remember grace, it's that free and undeserved God-given gift of love and strength that's offered to every person ever created. By our nature, we want to earn God's favor. But God's grace challenges our normal way of thinking. And the reason that it does is because God simply doesn't work that way. We don't do anything to earn this incredible gift of grace. Instead, God freely offers it to us because he loves us. And he wants to bless us. And so in today's gospel lesson, we come across a man who really had a hard time understanding the truth of the free gift of God's grace. 
the free gift of salvation. This man that I'm talking about, his name is Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a very knowledgeable and very religious man, but he had a hard time understanding the difference between simply being a knowledgeable religious person and, and being a person who has a real, personal, loving relationship with God. One night, this ruler of the Jews, Nicodemus, he decided to pay Jesus a visit. Now, the word rabbi, remember it means teacher. And while rabbis taught and debated during the daytime, they studied at night. They were looking for answers to unresolved questions that they were asked earlier in the day, and, and they were preparing for questions that they might be asked the next day. And so Nicodemus came to speak to Jesus one night. Now, maybe he came at night to avoid the crowds that uh, were always around Jesus during the daytime, or, or maybe he came at night so that their conversation would be able to be more in-depth during that traditional evening study time. Well, maybe Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen in public with Jesus. After all, John tells us that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a leader of the Jews. And we don't really know why he came at night to speak to Jesus under the cover of darkness. But all throughout John's gospel, there's this imagery of darkness that is in opposition to light. And so maybe John's telling us that the fact that it was night symbolizes somehow the darkness that shrouded Nicodemus's heart and soul, that it was only through the light of Christ that that darkness could go away. Whatever the reason, Nicodemus comes at night and in hopes that a miracle-working rabbi named Jesus could answer so at least some of his deepest spiritual questions. I think it's important for us to stand that Nicodemus was not an ordinary citizen. First of all, unlike most Jews of his day, Nicodemus was rich. He was also very respected in his community. He was knowledgeable. He was religious. He was a ruler of the Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And that means that he was one of just 70 Pharisees in all of Israel. And they made up the ruling class that was in the temple in Jerusalem. They, sort of, they sat in judgment. They would listen to people's disagreements. And based upon how they interpreted the scriptures, they would pass judgment. They were the judicial branch of government. Nicodemus would have devoted his entire life to studying and obeying God's law, the law of Moses, but also all those other traditions of Judaism that were designed to help you obey God's law. And so by the standard of his day, he was considered definitely to be a model Jew. Now Nicodemus was a man who was also very interested in Jesus. He had a deep respect for Jesus. He calls Jesus rabbi. After all, Nicodemus was a trained religious leader. and Jesus was just a common Jew, a carpenter who left behind his trade and, and became a wandering rabbi. But by calling Jesus rabbi or teacher, Nicodemus is showing that he, cons he considers Jesus to be equal to himself. He understands that Jesus' ministry is blessed by God. He says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he acknowledges the divine blessing of God upon Jesus. 
He believes in Jesus, but only because of the miracles that he's seen Jesus do. That's evident by his statement, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But yet, at this point, Nicodemus is not yet a genuine believer that Jesus is the Messiah. Eventually, he will become a true believer. In fact, later on, Nicodemus will join Joseph of Arimathea after Jesus' crucifixion, when Nicodemus brings all the spices that are needed to help Joseph of Arimathea prepare Jesus' body for burial. But right now, his faith isn't quite there yet. Now, of course, Jesus knows what's in Nicodemus' heart. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He knows why Nicodemus came that night, and so he challenges him. If you want to enter God's kingdom, you have to be born anew. Now, we've all heard someone say that they're, quote, a born-again Christian, and that phrase, born-again can sometimes seem like a superficial term. In fact, it can, it can be a turnoff for some people. But what Jesus is talking about here, it's not superficial at all. What Jesus is talking about is, in fact, a supernatural event. Being born anew or born again really means to be born from above. It's a spiritual new birth, a divine regeneration, a spiritual transformation. To be born again is to be made new by the Holy Spirit as he transforms your heart. And this kind of language and this kind of teaching, it confused Nicodemus because most Jews of his day, they thought, well, with very few exceptions, virtually all Jews would be admitted to God's kingdom. After all, they're the chosen people. But here, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, a respected religious leader and scholar, that he can't enter God's kingdom unless and until he's born again. And so Nicodemus says, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It doesn't make any sense. So he didn't understand that Jesus was speaking about spiritual rebirth, not physical rebirth. Nicodemus was hearing on a physical level. And he thinks, well, how can I be physically born again? That's impossible. And so Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit, spirit. To be born anew or born again, a person must be born of the spirit. And Jesus says that Nicodemus shouldn't be surprised at any of this. He shouldn't be shocked that a person must be born anew. He shouldn't be confused by Jesus' reference to being born of the Spirit. He talks about the wind. He says, just as the wind is un unexplainable in many ways, it blows where it wills and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it came from or where it's headed next. Even so, this new birth, a divine act that's controlled by God, is like the wind. You know, spirit and wind, they're the same word in Hebrew and in Greek. He alone gives new life. And this new spiritual birth is a supernatural act that changes people forever. Like the wind, we can see its effect, 
But in many ways, we just can't explain it. Well, Nicodemus, it wasn't helpful. He's still confused. How can these things be? And so Jesus says, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand this? You're one of the elite religious leaders in Israel. You've given your whole life to the study of scriptures and of spiritual truths, and yet you can't understand this very basic spiritual truth. You don't know what it means to be born anew of the spirit. You're knowledgeable and religious, but you're lost. Now, apparently Jesus isn't surprised. He says, I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so here to emphasize his point, Jesus turned to a very familiar Old Testament lesson from the book of Exodus. He's talking about the desert incident when God sent venomous snakes out into the camp of the Israelites to judge them for their sins. As the snakes began to strike the people, God told Moses to, to make a bronze serpent on a pole and, and to lift it up so that all the people could see. And all those who looked up and saw the serpent, they were saved. In a similar but much more profound way, Jesus would be lifted up on a cross and all those who look to him for salvation will be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that is the key to the entrance into God's kingdom. That is the key to being born anew of water and the spirit, trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ and loving him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Unfortunately, there are many, or I should say there are way too many people today who think of themselves as Christians, but who actually are in the same boat as Nicodemus. They may be knowledgeable and religious in every sense of the word, but they don't understand what it means to have a real personal relationship with the Lord. They haven't looked to Christ Jesus as their sole source of salvation. They know him intellectually in their mind, but they really don't know him in their heart. And so the big lesson in today's gospel reading is being born again, it's not about our human efforts. If anyone deserved entrance into the pearly gates, you would think it would be somebody like Nicodemus. He had all the qualifications. He seemed worthy of eternal life. But Jesus reminds us that salvation it's not about our own human efforts or merit, because none of us could ever do enough, and none of us could ever be good enough. It's not about our own worthiness, because none of us could ever be worthy enough. And it's not about your position or station in life either. Nicodemus, after all, was a Pharisee and a member of the Sanhedrin. He was part of that religious elite. But a certain position in life, it doesn't save you. Being a leader in the church doesn't save you. Being a deacon or a priest or a bishop, that doesn't save you. Being a volunteer at an outreach charity, that doesn't save you. Being a member of the board of directors at a 
a large elite nonprofit, well, that doesn't save you because positions don't save you. It's not about positions. And popularity doesn't save you. Did you know the name Nicodemus literally means well-liked or popular? He was a man who was so well-known, so well-liked, so well-respected in his community that his name even reflected that popularity. But popularity doesn't save you because it's not about popularity. And prestige and knowledge, that doesn't save you. Jesus identified Nicodemus as a teacher of Israel. He was one to whom people turned to for spiritual answers. He was recognized as a learned spiritual advisor who spent his life studying the scripture. And so he, he possessed great religious knowledge and wisdom. But prestige and knowledge doesn't save you because it's not about prestige and knowledge. So if being born anew of water and the spirit is not about position or popularity or prestige or knowledge, what is it about? The answer, it's all about relationship. It's all about having a tangible, genuine, personal relationship with the Lord. It's all about knowing Christ in your heart. It's all about being born anew from above by the Holy Spirit. It's all about new birth, new transformation. Being born again, it's, it's not a physical act, nor is it a mental or emotional decision. It's not even embracing a moral lifestyle, but it is a heartfelt spiritual transformation that comes only through the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual transformation that takes place when we surrender our lives over to Jesus Christ in faith. And when we do that, we receive an incredible and undeserved gift of grace from God, salvation and redemption by the blood of Christ. My brothers and sisters in Christ, like the Israelites in the desert, we all have been struck down by sin. Like a poisonous serpent, sin has sunk its fangs in our spiritual souls. And without Christ, the venom will make its way into our hearts and we'll die in our sins. But God saw us in our sinful hopelessness and he made a way for us to be born anew. He sent a savior who was lifted up on the wood of the cross for you and for me and for all humanity. So never forget the final words of today's gospel lesson. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God sent the son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. As unbelievable as it sounds and as unbelievable as it is, all we must do to receive this incredible gift of grace is to believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ with our hearts and to invite the Holy Spirit to change our lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.